Going into it, when it was picked, I was a bit like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And read the synopsis and was like, they had a bit of success reinventing Shakespeare with 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, maybe it could happen twice. And you know what? I actually really, really enjoyed it, but it is completely bonkers. But I actually had a really good time with it. So I went in with quite low expectations and it definitely surpassed them. And it's definitely a little bit weird and definitely a product of its time. But I, I thought it was quite fun also. So maybe the 12-year-old in me, had I seen it when I was 12, I would have loved it as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Flicks Water Podcast. Today I'm joined by Pravina. Hi. Megan. Hi. And Helen. Hi. And we're going to be talking about She's the Man. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Praveena and Megan. Over to you please Megan to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. I am Megan Agnew. I'm a news features writer at the Sunday Times, which basically means that I write across the newspaper, the magazine, culture, and I do a bit of everything, I suppose. I do some crime, I do some culture and music and film, and I do some social affairs investigations. investigations. So, yes, <laughs> different day means a different thing entirely. I could be doing lost dogs, <laughs> horrific incidents on street corners, <laughs> court cases, movies, yeah, a whole range of things. And because you... I've always wondered with people who worked who wrote on the Sunday times or the weekend editions. Does that mean you don't work on the weekday editions as well, or are you just kind of sequestered to the Sunday? It means that we don't work on the weekday editions, but it also does mean that we're very vulnerable to a huge ego death on a Friday when the thing that you've been working on all week gets spiked because something obviously happens on a Friday, as it does. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> Tear up, throw away, start again. Heartbreaking, really heartbreaking. <laughs> Praveen, who are you? Hey, so I'm online editor and writer at the New Statesman magazine. Sometimes write for the Times, but yeah, my full-time gig is at the NS and I basically take charge of usually comment pieces that come in, anything from politics to super frivolous stuff. And I tend to write slightly on the more frivolous side of things than Westminster. And yeah, like to write about anything from feminism to this kind of things I chat about at the pub with my mates. I feel like that's quite often what makes a good column. Yeah, I can imagine over the past few years, the more frivolity, the better in our lives. 
Definitely. And to not spending much time on Facebook, although I'm spending still a fair amount of time on Twitter. So something's <laughs> not quite right in my mindset, at least. <laughs> I think so. I think of Instagram as the antidote for me to Twitter, but it's probably not not a great one. It's just unhealthy in a different way. <laughs> yeah. The aspirational aspect is higher, <laughs> but the political know, malfeasance is less. I don't know what that means. We're talking about the film which you chose today, which I don't know, it maybe kind of leans into feminism a bit. And that is She's the Man. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, Praveena? And then second of all, you'll have 60 seconds or less to give us a synopsis. And I, for that point, I will get your, I will get, I will get a timer up for that. Okay, I'll be prepared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so She's the Man is kind of my go-to film when I'm sick. I like it because <laughs> it has a terrible critics ratings. Like, I think it has something like 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the thing that's really interesting is I think like audiences tend to rate it more highly. Like I think the equivalent rating from like the general public is something is like basically 80 percent and i think it's because whilst there are obviously like lots of plot holes in it and it's probably not super believable in some aspects <laughs> it has it has a lot of like really satisfying moments because you see this character trying to convince everyone that she's a boy and like succeeding in some respects and trying to get the guy she likes to like her back and it it's just all those kind of classic high school tropes in the extreme which is yeah why it's perfect when i'm down with flu okay so your timer for the synopsis this is me stalling because i haven't got it quite ready starts <laughs> now so yeah viola is just a gal in high school doing normal girl things, but a bit of a tomboy. She's a bit goofy and she's super good at football and finds out that the girls team at her school has been dropped and that she can't join the boys football team either. So when her hot boyfriend, who incidentally is captain of the football team, doesn't let her join that team, she goes to her brother's new boarding school and tries to take his place and pretend to be him basically and pulls it off to varying degrees which is kind of the fun of the film but then also along the way she creates a little love triangle where a girl at the new school falls for her but that's the girl that her roommate fancies and she fancies her roommate so yeah drama all ensues from that it's actually a love square love quadrangle because ultimately she does fancy her brother as well uh, which which kind of comes into it. I don't know. That made it quite interestingly complex for me. Helen and Megan, have you heard of this film before? I hadn't. I've heard of this film before, yes, for much of the same reasons as Pravina, I think. Have you seen it before? I've seen it. It was very much a staple to my DVD cupboard as sure. tween. <laughs> and it was the movie that I think in the playground was so often quoted it's, oh, really? it's basically like a movie made up of grabbable sound bites made for 12 year olds to mimic again and again and again so we i loved it as it's difficult for me to talk about this movie without talking about it as a 13 year old girl <laughs> watching it now i'd heard of it but i hadn't seen it and i think Going into it when it was picked, I was a bit like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And read the synopsis and I was like, 
Oh, well, you know, they had a bit of success reinventing Shakespeare with 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, maybe it could happen twice. And you know what? I actually really, really enjoyed it, but it is completely bonkers. And there's some like super weird, surreal moments in it. But you know what? I actually had a really good time with it. So I went in with quite low expectations and it definitely (laughs) surpassed them. And it's funny it's definitely a little bit weird and definitely a product of its time, but I, I thought it was quite fun also. So maybe the 12-year-old in me, had I seen it when I was 12, I would have loved it as well. Yeah, I'm trying to work out what I class as a hangover film. I'll maybe come back to that later on. When, yeah, I'd never heard this film before. And when I saw the premise, I thought, oh my God, what is this film? And it is nonsense. There's plot holes not peppered, just like layered across everything. Just, that just don't make any sense. But also take your brain out, ignore a lot of it. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's kind of, it's sweet. You see the kind of point that the film's trying to get across. I probably wouldn't watch it that often, if ever again. I'm glad I've seen it because I, I think it's very much of the time. I wish I could have filled some of those potholes to make it a bit more tighter, a bit more of tight, not tight of a film, but a bit more... Yeah, like watertight. So there can, there's like definite reasons why things can happen, which we can kind of talk about if you guys want, I guess. But yeah, a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be, certainly. Which plot hole, which was your main bugbear? Because like, <laughs> was it the restaurant scene where like Monique is in front of her boyfriend, well, her supposed boyfriend, and she can't tell the difference? <laughs> so there's, there's many places where you kind of think the clear differences, I mean... She didn't have a shower. I was like, okay, we'll kind of get away with that. I mean, all the, all the main plot holes were based around the fact that she didn't really act like a guy. And okay, well, so I'm going to, I'm going to pull back. I thought what, a lot of the endearing parts was where she was trying to act like a guy, uh, quote unquote, as guys do, quote unquote. And even like Challenge Chasing called around and said, dude, why are you doing that? Why are you just objectifying women like that? And she was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, I didn't realize that was. So I thought things like that were really endearing to the storyline. But I think just some of the machinations of the plot holes, like at the, at the carnival where she's changing every time to between Sebastian and her brother, Sebastian and herself. I was like, that, that doesn't really work in my head. <laughs> I think that restaurant scene didn't work in my head. So was, I think there was a lot of the setup points. Like I say, she didn't have a shower. And I just kind of thought, you're in the boys' locker room. People notice that maybe one day you get away with it, but people notice after a few days that you're not, you're there not having a shower and you're sleeping next to this guy and you're not doing all these things. I'm just like, I wish there was a way to make it, like I said, watertight. I think one way would have just been like everyone had their own bedroom, for example, and that would have been that that kind of thing squared away. You didn't have to deal with that kind of thing in my head. That's maybe me being a bit picky, but I think that was just like a lot of these things where I was just like... Nah, it doesn't really... You're basing it in far much more reality than the, the concept of getting into college to play your brother without well, I, anyone well, that... going, oh, that's not the guy we interviewed, or like... Well, this is it, yeah. <laughs> There's only one person who twigged. I love David Cross as the kind of dumb principal who's like willing to, yeah, willing to go big and gung-ho and say, look... You're with me. He's ready to come out. Yeah. (laughs) But I so know what you mean about, for some reason, the shower scene sticks with me as well. Mm. When, right, so she can't have a shower because she can't get naked because it's a boy's shower. Yeah. And I think about it often. I'm like, (laughs) how... 
how did Viola have that shower and she's the man? Where is she showering? Is it in the middle of the night? Is she okay? <laughs> also, it's quite a few yeah. days in already that she's going for that shower. And yeah. it really, you know, those completely random, unnecessary, unfulfilled points from a movie that, that stay with you and haunt you. Yeah, that is absolutely one of them for me. So I completely get it. I get the shower issue. Because she does say that thing about like, oh, I, I'm starting to smell really bad. I'm like making mm. people convulse. And you think, oh, God, that's like pretty, that's pretty bad. That's not going to help your social creds any more than it's already. Also, there's a thing where like, okay, fine, we manage the whole Sebastian side of things. But then Viola skips school for like two weeks. Why does no one care about that? Her boyfriend's just like, yo, I haven't heard from you in a while. And it's like... She's been off with like, yeah, I don't know. But then Shakespeare, I kind of think the what, this is based on Twelfth Night, right? And presumably there's some plot holes in that too. So like if Shakespeare has plot holes, they feel like you're given full permission to, to do it, presumably. I think, I don't know, I guess when plot holes are so, can be closed quite easily. Like in Prometheus, for example, <laughs> people talk about why didn't she just roll away from the spaceship that's careening towards them or why did they even look in the egg? You kind of think... Guys, we've, we've been making films, well, 100 years now. Can we not just not do things which are nonsense? And I get how she putting on a wig and sideburns and being better than most of the guys at football. It's a great conceit and that, that works in the context of the film. We just kind of think, well, if she had her own room, just give her an ensuite and then she could just have a shower there and that's her excuse for, and that's fine. Then you'd have to think about it again and that becomes something that Kobe doesn't worry about. I think I've, I've kind of taken away from the, the better parts, the more interesting parts of the film, which, which are charming i would say anyone else want to pick up on any of those what makes it an interesting hangover flick for yourself pravina i guess i'm also just fascinated by that whole world of a kind of american high schools generally but also like this very specific genre where they're all obviously quite well off because it involves like a boarding school and they go to debutante balls and Duke goes to sebastian slash viola's mum like they he goes to her like oh, is your mum part of the junior league but then also there are just all these things that I could never imagine happening here where you have carnivals with kissing booths. Yeah. And like, <laughs> which is just a concept. Like, doesn't she say something like she's kissed? Was one of them says something about having kissed like 300 people yeah. or like, yeah. Who wins out of that situation? I mean, obviously the carnival wins because they get the money, but yeah. the people being kissed and the people paying to kiss, you, you kind of think, really? <laughs> Well, it's a fundraiser, right? So it's for the greater good, I think, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess there are a lot of films that have got mileage out of that because there's that sort of quintessential terrible Netflix film called The Kissing Booth, which is basically, oh, you kiss someone you wouldn't kiss otherwise. It's just such an easy setup. Yeah. I've just remembered another plot hole, which happened kind of twice, where... The coach at the boarding college, by the way, I thought all the way through this is a, a college, not a school. It really confused me as to how things are working. But anyway, so Vinnie Jones coach and the other coach from the school both asked the captain of the team whether she could play as a girl rather than actually just like sticking to the rule, like them being the, the voice of authority. It's like a really weird thing. And that sets up, that catalyzes the film at the start where he asks her boyfriend, who's the goalie and the captain, can she play? And he says no, and then becomes a massive dick out of it. And instead of just saying, yeah, why not play with everyone else and just carry on playing? If you make the team great, if you don't, then also at least you, you, you play in the game. But why is he asking a pupil to decide who gets to play? That should be your choice as a coach. 
I think you're asking again too much logic of this, this film. <laughs> you know, I, my kind of like, not necessarily plot hole, but my kind of thing was like, oh, wow, Vinnie Jones is getting roles still in 2006. That was like my kind of, how did that happen? But Hold uh, on. when did Lockstock come out? I'm going to do a quick Google. Didn't we do this before? 2002, isn't it? Or something like that. 1997, 1998. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, 1998. Okay, so eight years you're still saying, you're wondering why he's still getting roles. Exactly, yeah. That's a bigger issue, I think, as to... <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that basically she's been told, no, you can't play football. And instead of doing a petition, holding a protest or doing something, she just decides, you know what? I'm just going to fake someone's identity for two weeks so that I can play in a football match. And that is commitment. And (laughs) she's got her whole gang to like support that in the wigs and the hair and the backup when you need it. So that was very much the vibe that I took from it, that this woman, Violet, is determined and she will play football. (laughs) Going to extreme lengths to get there and not showering. I did enjoy the backup crew. I thought they they were great fun. Oh yeah, the scene where they're in the uh, the restaurant and kind of playing the girls that have been messed around by Sebastian. That was, I think it has that, it's, I think that's the thing I like about it. It has that like satisfying, you know, in Pretty Woman where she walks into a shop and she, for the second time on that like posh street or whatever, and she can now suddenly afford the clothes there and the people who are snooty towards her like feel bad. It's like that feeling of, when she's in that restaurant and then the guys suddenly look at her or him rather as like, oh, wow, he can get girls. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I've seen that kind of thing in a few films as well. It's like, oh my God, there's someone worth speaking to now. Now they know yeah. how to do girls. <laughs> and it's so of that era, as Praveena was saying, that high school movie era where it was about how many girls you got at school, yeah, what your clothes were like. And the films that, right, so the spoof is that the girl takes off her glasses and straightens her hair and suddenly everybody sees her as this, like, amazing goddess. And there's always a transformation scene that involves some, like, mad camp hairdresser. And there's a montage and there's actually, you know, quite a good soundtrack. And then she appears the other side and this is absolutely in that same yeah ilk of movies and it happened a lot then and do you know what bring back the transformation scene i miss it <laughs> <laughs> i've got a couple of things before to say before we head to the scores anything else you guys want to pick up on i had channing tatum's backflips as <laughs> my notes <laughs> was it was it channing i saw a couple of backflips but was it his character yeah he can do that we all seen magic mike you know he's got the skills can he do backflips? I like seeing him in films. Yeah, he does the backflip when on the at the end. I think it's on the football match. Was it the backflip or was it the, the butterfly kick when it gets the ball into the net? So she does that, and he. But he he, he does that as well. He does. Do the throws the ball in or something? Oh, that okay. But yeah. it's, it's either a front or a backflip. I've written backflip, but like it's a fl- it's. I mean, I can't do one. It requires some kind <laughs> of skill. You might be able to do one. You can do one, can't you? I used to be able to. There were random flips. And one of the things I love about football films is that everyone, at some point, there's a goal scored by someone doing the flying back kick, which happens yeah. once in every like thousand games of football ever. But of course, it's a cinematic thing. So why not have them rising like a salmon? 
But I think he's great in it as well. I think Tatum's good. That that character is kind of spot on of like the himbo, right? Who's kind of a prisoner in his own body that is incredibly hot and he kind of hates it because he's really awkward and can't do verbally and emotionally what his outside is telling the world that he's doing. (laughs) And I kind of love it. I think it's kind of goofy and silly and it is mad. It's all bonkers and it's over the top. It's like caricatured, like a kind of like a children's pantomime almost in in this. But I I think he's brilliant in it. I think he's he's great. Yeah, I do just find it hard to believe that someone that hot who is that good at sports would be so awkward about the opposite gender still like I still kind of think if you had all those other things going for you but yeah I don't know I love that suddenly when he says like I just think relationships should be more than the physical stuff she sort of melts at that (laughs) phrase Mm. (laughs) like so profound for a teenage boy oh yeah when she kind of sets herself up with herself but as Sebastian so her brother setting him up with his sister. You just don't do that. Even if I've known a few of my friends <laughs> have relations with friends' sisters, but it's never been like, dude, I want to kiss you. And it's never been like that. It's cause Yeah. <laughs> <You don't... laughs> I was like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> like you should grab her and you should kiss her. Like, yeah. You grab my sister. Like, no. <laughs> no, I was going to say about the, yeah, the rest of the cast. I don't know what Amanda Bynes has done since. But yeah, we've got David Cross. I was going to say Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum has like doubled in size since this and also is in Coach Carter, which is a basketball film. But he's he's, he's a big guy now, isn't he? He's not like, I'm not saying he's fat, but he's just, there's like a quite a, well, I don't know if he's just young or he's just a, a skinny athletic kid, but now he looks like he's a different kind of persona, I guess. Oh, I thought you meant in terms of status, but yeah, probably that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's had kind of like a wild range of films as well. Like his back catalogue is just stacked. There's a lot of films in there and yeah, a lot of a lot of comedies as well. He's done a lot. And then yeah, a lot of kind of physical stuff, whether that be like the kind of magic might physical stuff or kind of like the the muscle physical <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, oh step up and whatever. But he is kind of like his character, I suppose, is that if you are an actor who looks like that, then you do just get trapped in playing that guy, don't you? The hot one, which seems to have also been his career. And I remember Theo James, who was in The White Lotus recently, sort of saying that he has, which I think he's now broken away from that, but... Yeah, I remember him saying, I've spent my entire career trying to be taken seriously, but I look like this. I look like a Ken doll. <laughs> Is that how he said it? But, you know. I'm paraphrasing. Guys. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> we got into a bit of a bust up, actually, because I was interviewing him and, and asked him how he felt about being a pin up. Which is fair. I don't know. Like, it's okay to ask men how they feel about being a pinup. I would I ask that about a woman? Well, know. someone needs to be asked it, and it can't be women. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going through enough as it is. We're knackered. <laughs> well, should we head to the scores, guys? Yeah, let's do it. 
I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five and you can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Praveena, with your recommendability. I'm going to say 3.5 because as much as I try to recommend it to lots of people when I hear they're sick, I'm like, she's the man for Netflix. (laughs) A lot of them are just like, absolutely not. And think it's terrible for some of the reasons we've discussed. So I'm acknowledging that. Megan. Yeah, I'm going to go with three for much of the same reasons. I kind of feel like it's one of those movies that should stay reserved for the people who are already fans. I think it's going to be quite difficult to onboard new members of the She's the Man fan club, and I acknowledge that. (laughs) But as Praveena said, it works in certain scenarios, so I'm saying three. Helen. Yeah, I'm going to go 3.5 as well. I think it just, it gets that 0.5 just because it is so bizarre and it's actually quite funny in places. Had it been a bit kind of weird, but not as funny, then I might have been a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But I did find myself laughing a lot of it, which probably says more about me. And yeah, it's kind of such an interesting piece of from that time. It's interesting. I was listening, like the ringtone was the Barbie girl ringtone, which we are today all in love with Barbie. So there's loads of great things that it, it kind of predicted in that. And, that was uh, the thing that nearly outed her, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. like, of yeah. everything, of all the- having a, a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, her love for the game and preparing to do anything that it takes to play that match, I just really enjoyed. Just the one match you wanted, just the one. I'm going to go 3.5 as well. If I hadn't been for this, I would never would have seen it. So I, I do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Pravina, for suggesting it to watch. And I will, if people say, should I watch it? I'll be like, look, just chill out. Maybe you can have your phone on double screaming, doom scrolling, doing whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, it's fine. Have a watch. It might, it might surprise you in the way it has done myself and Helen is what I'd say. Repeat viewing score, Pravina. How many hangovers has this ushered you through? I think a lot is always when I'm ill, I will watch it. I'm going to give it 4.5 because you don't care about plot holes when your brain's full of fog. And yeah, it just always makes me feel good. Like even the like little things in the background, like the the kind of quirky principal who keeps popping up doing window cleaning or tending to his flowers. I just, I need those very fundamental tropes when I'm sick to make me feel that life is simple and predictable. So yeah. Megan. I'm going to go five on the repeat viewing. And I think that is because this movie started out for me as a DVD Mm -hmm. and as a DVD that I loved as a child, which meant that it was watched repeatedly in a way that adults just don't. So for me, <laughs> it, it gets it doesn't get more repeatable than this. Also, because there's just less choice at that time as well. So what do you do? You just watch the film again. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> and I had two sisters who were on board with it. 
Okay. Oh, perfect. A team. Helen. Yeah, so I mean, I did enjoy it, but this isn't going to become a comfort watch of mine, I don't think. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to give it two. If someone was like, oh, I really want to watch this, do you want to watch it with me? I'd be like, yeah, sure. But I'm not sure how often I'm going to come back to it. So what's that, two? Yeah. I'm going to give it a one. Realistically, can't see myself watching it again unless someone said, look, just watch it with me and we've got nothing else to do. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it. And small screen score. Pravina, did you guys watch this in cinema? I don't think I did. I remember watching it as a teenager, but I think it would have been from Blockbuster at a sleepover. So how, what's that give it for, as a small screen score? I think it's probably a four in that. I don't think you particularly miss out on these like great cinematic landscapes and she's the man by seeing them on your phone. I think the main part is the kind of humour. And it's probably a, a little bit better if you can't see how different Bioda and Sebastian actually look and that she wouldn't really <laughs> convince anyone. So, yeah. And you, you don't think like, oh no, those fight scenes, like at the carnival, don't quite, I don't get to see the f full beauty of them. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, was it four? Yeah. Megan? Yeah, I'm going to go four as well, because I don't think it really matters what how much you can see and in what detail i will say as i mentioned earlier though the soundtrack is pretty fun i'm into the soundtrack so they're full of songs which i kind of recognize but didn't i couldn't place the artists at the top like straight away they're just sort of like it's getting good now songs so i think some good listening to it on some with some decent audio yeah but screen <laughs> size not bothered I think the direction to the sound music supervisor was like, can you get songs like that sound like Blink-182 and Smash Mouth, but a tenth of the price, please, and we'll put those in there. Because <laughs> they all have that kind of familiarity. Again, this might just be me. But I also couldn't place them specifically. Helen, small screen score. So yeah, I'm going to give this a five. This very much is a watch at home with friends or on your own kind of vibe. So yeah. Yeah, same five, perfect for home viewing. And as Pravina is saying, it's great for lying in bed, feeling sorry for yourself. Engagement score, Pravina. I think I'd give it probably a 3.7 because it's not so believable. You don't feel like, God, I really like need to know that she manages to carry through this disguise through to the end. But also, I don't know, it just, it has hot Channing Tatum in it. So you're like... God, I really need to make sure that she ends up getting with him. 3.7. Megan? I'm going two on the engagement score, I'm afraid. I think you can pretty much have it on in the background, as you said, and do a bit of doom scrolling. <laughs> yeah, poor old thing, I'm giving it a two. Helen? I'm going to give it a three. I think there's no great shocks and surprises how things end, but it it's kind of fun and, yeah, it's an easy watch. Yeah, it's, everything's kind of signposted with a few kind of small changes there. So yeah, I don't think you need to pay attention. You could fall asleep for a bit and, and pick it up again and be like, okay, I know what's happened. That gives us an overall score of 3.45000 exactly, which is, well, better than I thought it's it was going to be. pretty good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bless its heart. <laughs> this had a Netflix match score for me of 80%, which I was <laughs> so I'm still surprised at. But I was like, look, yeah, I liked it. That's, <laughs> you predicted that I would like a film 
to some extent. Mine was 86. It thought I would like this 86%, which is, I mean, I did enjoy it, but like it's a bit of a swerve from what I'd normally pick. Well, my overall score was three exactly. Your overall score was 3.375. So you, I mean, you did like it more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, Pravina, can you tell us where we can find you guys online, your newspapers, your outlets, and say goodbye to the listeners? I am on the Times and the Sunday Times and I write weekly and you can find me on Instagram at Megan Agnew one and on Twitter the same. Hey, so Pravina, I'm in the New Statesman pretty much every week. So you can find me on the website, but also sometimes in the Times and Sunday Times. And then my Instagram is at Pravina underscore Rudra. And my Twitter is at Pravina underscore R. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Pravina, thank you very much for bringing She's the Man to the listeners and to myself and Helen. And, well, say goodbye to the listeners. Thanks for coming on. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.